It's my birthday eve. Birthday eve. Gonna be 38 tomorrow. Don't mind it. I've said this before, but it's like I always, there's something about being an odd numbered age that I always like. I always have this enthusiasm. And I remember I used to have a thought that my odd numbered years were better. Like, I remember liking 17 more than 18 and 19 more than 20. And I wouldn't even be able to tell you why. I don't even think that it's true. I I think that I just, I like the feeling of being an odd-numbered age more than even-numbered. There's no reason for it. Like, 38, it's not, like, I have no reservation about being 38. I like it. I'm going to be 38 tomorrow no matter what, and I I like it. I guess there's always a a little bit of a sad feeling, though, like leaving an age behind always does feel a little sad. And it's not a sadness where I'm like, oh, I I wish I would have done more, or I'm getting old. It's, it really, I I mean, as silly as it is to say, it really is, you know, saying goodbye to part of yourself. I hate to even put it that way, but that's really what the feeling is. Because, you know, you don't have that many identity markers once you reach a certain age. And so one of the few things that really changes about you, that really changes about your identity, is your age. Like, starting tomorrow, I will tell people something different about my identity. And yeah, you physically age, like your identity changes in that sense. You know, you look older, like you you lose hair. I just got my hair cut like a week ago and every time I get my hair cut, I can't even believe how much more hair I've lost. But uh, yeah, you you know, there's things that change about you. Your hair turns gray. You might get fat, you might get skinny. You get wrinkles. Like those change your identity gradually. But you don't, you know, refer to yourself differently based on those alone. Like, but you do refer to yourself differently when your age changes. Like the things that have changed about me physically aren't uh, overnight. Like, you know, like I'm not going to change. My physical appearance isn't going to change between tonight and tomorrow. But something about my identity will change. And that is, you know, the age I tell people. So it's one of the few real identifiers about yourself that changes. And so there is a kind of sadness to it. You know, I always look forward to the new year, like, oh, I'm a new age. Because you have all these ideas and concepts about what certain ages are like. Like, oh, 15-year-olds? Like, when you're 10, you're like, 15-year-olds are like this. Oh, when I'm 15, what's it going to be like when I'm 15? People don't, people don't really, like, talk too much about 38. Aside from the fact that it's close to 40. It doesn't really get much attention other than that. Late 30s are nice, though. It's like you're, you're definitely over a ridge. You know, you've crossed a ridge when you're in your late 30s. Because... 
I don't know. I mean, every decade gets its own attention. Oh, like when you're in your 20s, you're going to be this way. Oh, 30-year-olds are like this. So when you get to your 40s, be in, in your 50s. Um, I took Batty for a little walk tonight, and it's very foggy, and it looks like a full moon. I don't know that it is. And that's another funny little thing, you know, where... It's a lot like aging. It is, though. It actually is, because, you know, the moon changes gradually. And it reaches a certain point where, to the discerning eye, especially if it's foggy or it's not an entirely clear night, but even if it is clear, like, it reaches a certain point where you're, like, one day before or after the factual full moon. It's called a factual full moon. The moon is, in fact, full tonight. Uh, but, you you know, it's like when you see it the night before, it looks full. And if you're like me, you don't... You, you Full moons are important to you. Like, full moons matter to me. Full moons matter. But it's not something where you're... Like, I don't track it. I don't know what day of the month the full moon is going to be. Usually someone has to tell me. Usually I just look up and it's full and I'm like, oh. But I always have that voice in my head, that scientist, who's like, well, is it actually a full moon tonight? And like, it, it's one of those funny things where unless you knew, unless you know, like unless you have it confirmed by someone else, through the science of this, the science out there, like you don't, you wouldn't know otherwise. Like tonight, I don't know if it's actually a full moon. I know it's my birthday eve, but I wouldn't know it's the full moon or not. It might not be. It might have been last night. It might be tomorrow. It might be in two days. But the funny part about it is just that I have this doubt in my mind of whether it's full or not. And that doubt comes from the idea that, oh, you know, there's a factual full moon and then there's whatever they call it when it's almost full. I mean, nobody calls it a factual full moon, but like there's there's one night, you know, one or two nights per month. I don't even know how often full moons occur. Is it once a month? I don't know. It's rhythmic, like it doesn't change, like... One month doesn't have four full moons and another one has none. But I don't even know, like, on average, how many full moons there are per month. I don't even know how many days it takes between full moons or if that ever changes. Does that ever change? Does it sometimes take longer for the next full moon than another time, even, like, by a day or two? Or is it exact? Is it exactly a certain number of days? Someone could answer that, but I don't know. And I don't need to know. But what I'm thinking of is just, like, looking up at the full moon tonight, it looks full to me. So it might as well be full. But if you were to mention that to somebody, they'd be like, oh, well, no, you know, according to this, it's, uh, it's actually not, a, a, the true full moon isn't until tomorrow. And we, we rely very heavily on that stuff. On the facts. I like facts too. But, uh, 
you know, it, it sometimes gets in the way of your experience. Like it took nothing away from me that that little voice in my head said like, well, is it actually a full moon? But it would also be cool if I could just look at it and not have that thought. Like if I could just look up at the sky, see what looks to be a full moon and say to myself like, oh, a full moon and not wonder if it's the factual full moon or not. But I, uh, you know, it's funny, like with the birthday coming up, you know, when you have a birthday two days after Christmas, you know, your whole life you get questions. Like when someone finds out your birthday or, or like back when I drank, you show your ID buying beer or something and the cashier, oh, what's it like to have a birthday so close to Christmas? Like you'd think that that was extremely rare. Tons of people have birthdays close to Christmas. But you'd think that like somebody never heard of that. Like you'd think that that make, you know, it's like some sort of mutation, like one in every million people that you never come across that. But it's very novel to people. They're like, well, what do you, what's it like to have a birthday so close to Christmas? Some people will ask, will say to you like, doesn't that suck? Doesn't it suck? Oh, what does your family do? Do they, did, growing up, did you, did you just get presents on Christmas? Did they just like combine your birthday with Christmas? Doesn't that suck? Doesn't it suck to have your birthday so close to Christmas? And my answer is always, I don't know any different. You know, for one, like thankfully my parents, especially my mom, my family, always made it a point to like make as much distinction as they could. You know, my mom would give me presents on my birthday too, a few. She'd have me make a Christmas list and the Christmas list was going to be things for both Christmas and my birthday. But she'd always give me at least a few things on my birthday too. And beyond like the, the material gifts, just she always made it a point to celebrate it. You know, people still wish me a happy birthday. Like, you know, it's not like people don't wish me a happy birthday on December 27th because it's so close to Christmas. Like, oh, I, I already wished you a Merry Christmas. I don't need to wish you a happy birthday. It's too close. Maybe it does kind of, like, obscure my birthday. It eclipses my birthday. A little moon joke there since we were talking about moons. You know, maybe it does kind of hide it a little bit, which I don't mind. You know, because I had little kid birthday parties growing up where, like, you know, between, like, five to ten kids came over to your house and did something or we went out and did something. You know, I had those little kid birthday parties, which were cool. They were cool. But as an adult, I don't, I don't want any extra attention. Like, I like, I like acknowledgement from people who care about me. You know, I like it when the people who care about me acknowledge my birthday. It means something to me. But one time years ago, these friends threw me a very small birthday party. I don't remember if it was a, a surprise or not. It was just a small group of people. It was a group of people I used to drink a lot with. And it was like pizza and just kind of celebrating my birthday and it, it was a really sweet gesture but it made me uncomfortable i was like i, I don't really want this to be about me like i i'm enjoying hanging out with you guys and i i really treasure the gesture what they call treasuring the gesture 
but I, I, I don't actually enjoy this. And I like a certain amount of attention. But on my birthday, I don't know, my birthday isn't when I want that kind of attention, I guess. I've always seen my birthday, at least since adulthood, as like, I can do whatever I want that day. <laughs> like, everything is justified. Not in a criminal sense or anything, but just, it's like, I can just feel however I want to feel. Like, tomorrow I have to work for my birthday. I have to work for my birthday. I have to work in order to have a birthday. No, I have to be at work tomorrow for my birthday, but I'm not bothered by that. Like, some, oh, doesn't, wouldn't it suck to have to go to work on your birthday? It's like I've had to do it many times, you know. Fortunately, though, I mean, that's the nice thing about Christmas, or that's the nice thing about having, like, a Christmas birthday, though, is, first of all, like, growing up, it meant that I always had my birthday off from school. Like, I never went to school once on my birthday because it was always Christmas break even in college and then at jobs that have like a, a good PTO plan I've always requested some extra days off after Christmas including my birthday so I haven't really worked on my birthday that much I've definitely I definitely have but it's at a convenient like people say, doesn't it suck to have your birthday on Christmas well it meant never going to school on my birthday. And it meant having more days off after my birthday. And in a job, it's it's also meant that I can kind of bundle my birthday in with taking time off for Christmas. Because that's how smart people use PTO. They'll tack it on to an existing holiday. Oh, Monday's President's Day, so I'm going to request... Thursday and Friday off. I'm going to use my paid time off to have Thursday and Friday off so that I have, you know, a five-day weekend. Strategic. But yeah, it's all I know. Like, all I know is, is having a birthday after Christmas. So like when someone says, like, doesn't that suck? What's that like? What doesn't it suck? I, I, don't, I don't have any other point of reference for it. Since the time I was a kid, I know that when December hits... It's Christmas season, but it, it's just, it's the month of days and eves. You build up through the month, you anticipate the end of the month, and then it's like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, birthday Eve, birthday, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. And it keeps the high going, too. That's what people don't realize. Like, when they think, oh, doesn't that suck? Because, you know, having... You, you, the reason I think why people think that is because your birthday is kind of your own private Christmas. Like, you get gifts. There's a merriment. There's appreciation in the air. Like, people tend to show more appreciation for you on your birthday. They feel the need to be like, oh, you, you know, congratulations. You know, today's the day that you came into the world many years ago. It's a nice thing to have birthdays. Um, but, uh, you know, like, I, there's no other point of reference for me. Because I think in people's minds, because, like, your birthday is, like, your own little private Christmas. So, like, the idea of having, like, another little mini Christmas in June is seems really cool. Like, oh, I get two times a year to feel this way. But another way of looking at it is, like, it keeps the high going. Because there is kind of a valley 
after Christmas, like even before New Year's and everything. Like, you know, the month is just building, building, building. Christmas Eve's coming, Christmas coming, Christmas is 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 coming. Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. And so you're building up to that. Like, even if you're not a Christmas person, like, it's it's all around you. And then Christmas Eve is like, you know, it's like you're peering off this cliff down to something beautiful. And then, like, Christmas Day, you, like, take this plunge, and it's just, it's it's the the pinnacle of the high. Yeah, gifts. Like, as a kid, getting gifts is a big part of it. But it's just the energy. You know, you look outside and like you look, it, it's a normal winter day on Christmas, but through your eyes, you're like, it looks like Christmas out there. Sure, oh, it looks like, it might not even be snowing, it might be raining. But you're like, oh, it looks like Christmas out there. So the whole day, you're, you're under a spell. It's spiritual. It's religious. Even, even in, in a, even to secular people, Christmas is spiritual and religious. You know, it's filled with ritual, tradition, generosity, and not just the obligation of getting people things. Like people genuinely feel compelled to be more generous. Like if you were like my mom, who was an extremely generous person as it was all year, she was even more generous at Christmas which is unbelievable. A person like her could be more generous. And she just loved it. She loved being generous. She, and she wasn't annoying about Christmas. Like, it was important to her. But she wasn't annoying about it. She just had a way, you know, she was the Christmas spirit. And so, you know, people like something spiritual occurs within them where like they their view of the world changes like people who love christmas it's spiritual for people who hate christmas i mean there's people who just the idea that this season is is miserable like i hate christmas there's people who experience a, a dark night of the soul the whole month of december and yeah there's decorations everywhere and everything there's there's stuff everywhere reminding you of christmas so I guess people are irritated by that if they don't like Christmas. But there's some people who just, just hate Christmas. And that's spiritual too. It's the other side of it. Some sort of darkness sets over them come Christmas. But it's spiritual on both sides. And you can't ignore it. You know, it, it's everywhere. There, there is a feeling. There is a change in people. And you know, there's... You know, Christians who are like, oh, they've commercialized Christmas. Like, people need to remember what Christmas is actually about. This is a religious holiday. This is, you know, the birth of our Lord. But even secular people, it takes on religious characteristics. There's a spiritual, a strong spiritual component. All sorts of things have meaning to them. And what's weird is they become self-defining. You know, because I'm someone, I... I I think I can say I'm a little more learned than a lot of people out there. I know a little more about the history of things, I think, than the average person. I'm more interested in, you know, esoteric meaning, too. 
But despite living in America and celebrating Christmas my whole life, I can't even tell you why, you know, what the lights mean. I can't even tell you what the tree means. It's all very self-defining. Oh, why do you put up that? Why do you put up that type of tree for Christmas? Because uh, it's a Christmas tree. What does the Christmas tree represent? Christmas. Like if you were a foreigner looking at Americans celebrating Christmas, you'd be like, oh, everybody goes out and gets this very specific tree, brings it back to their home. Many families. Not just the ritual of decorating the tree. There are families who have a, a very specific procedure. Like it's it's a they decorate they get their tree and decorate it on one specific day, the same day every Christmas. Like oh, on December 9th we go out and get our Christmas tree, and then we decorate it on December twelfth. And when we decor decorate our tree, we do this. And though, even though all these different people are participating in the same rituals and traditions, they all have their own little nuances. Like our family does it this way. And then people throw random stuff in there too. They'll be like, our family, like when we decorate the Christmas tree, we eat cheese. And there's no Christmas reason for that. It's just that's one one year they ate cheese while they decorated the tree, and so now it's like oh you know December twelfth is coming up like I got the cheese and we're you know it's very important. There's it can these rituals and traditions can have these random elements because they did it once and they enjoyed it or it just I don't know it just fit for them. They'll do that. Oh, on uh, on Christmas Eve, our family all wears the color blue. It's just something we've always done. We watch this movie. It might not even be a Christmas movie. I've known people like that. Like, they, they watch a specific movie. Yeah, a lot of families will watch, like, Home Alone or the big ones. Like, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Christmas story but there's you know people who will just have some random movie they watch every year all of that becomes part of this ritual so people have the they all participate in the same rituals but they all have their own little spin on it but going back to the tree and just uh, these things being self-defining like yeah like what I was going to get at is like I would say I'm a little more learned than many people. I don't think I'm talking myself up too much. But I can't even tell you what any of it represents or means. Like I can assume Yule. Well when when they when the pagans celebrated Yule, the tree meant this. Lights you can kinda lights are pretty easy. Candles, Christmas lights, light that that's easy to, to take a stab at. You know, lights like we're talking about like beginner class in terms of esotericism like oh light we put lights up because it represents light back in the old days they lit candles outside their homes and then lights have a lot of meaning like lights are crazy people are crazy about lights like one, it's like it connects people. Like someone looks at another house and like even if they have tacky lights, it's like, oh, they have lights. They're, they're part of it. 
you know, these, these very human things come out of that, like people compete over their lights, National Lampoon style, like there are people who want to have the biggest light show. There are people who judge each other's lights. Like I had a girlfriend many, many years ago and we'd drive around during Christmas time and like she would evaluate everybody's lights. I mean, it was funny. It was, it was nice, but she really did care. Like she'd really judge and praise, but she was extremely critical of people's lights. And I, I even remember her, we would drive through certain neighborhoods and like she would take pictures and I think one time she called her mom to like tell her like you wouldn't believe these people's lights though they suck like they don't know how to do lights here you know and, and it was it was a cute thing like I didn't I didn't it was fun but she did care like people do care and then people care if you don't have lights like people see that somebody has lights and they're like oh they're part of it you might not even know that person but if you see that your neighbor has lights, it's like, oh yeah, they, he's got his lights out. Ah, oh, it makes him feel good. But if they see like a house in the neighborhood that doesn't have lights, they're like, it's either a Jew or is it, they're not part of it. There's certainly people out there who judge that, like, oh, he's not part of it. No lights. And someone could put up just very minimal lights and still be part of it. They could put up ugly lights. Um, like my mom, she always just, she was very minimal with lights, like just kind of a string around the edge of the roof of the skinny white lights, which are always my favorite. I don't know if that's just because that was what my mom used. I think it's just what I, I appreciate in general though. Just like a string of like the little skinny pointy lights. I've never liked the big bulbs. You got the big bulbs. And you know, red and green, I, I don't mind red and green. I, I prefer red and green when there's also some white thrown in there. Red and green and white. Like if they have a string of red and green lights, if there's like a white one in the middle, it looks really good to me. The rainbow lights, I, I've never liked that. Never. Not a fan of the rainbow lights, especially because they're often like these big, the big bulbs, big rainbow bulbs. She's got big bulbs. She's got big rainbow bulbs. You see her big rainbow bulbs? But I never understood that because those aren't Christmas colors. And, and I've just never liked just primary colors. Like even as a little kid, I always hated toys or anything like play school where it's just big primary colors, all the primary colors. I like all the colors, more or less, but I don't like them all together. And I don't like a bunch of just big primary colors right next to each other. So the rainbow Christmas lights just never did it for me. And they're usually the big bulbs. The big bulbs just don't look good. The little bulbs look great. Either like the the little like skinny pointed ones or the ones that look like just little beads of light. I like those, both of those. But just the white light, yellowy or white. A nice yellowy white pointed little lights. She's got pointed little lights. Yeah, but her sister's got big rainbow bulbs. Big, big she's got big bulbs. 
Um, I don't know. I just thought the other night. I took mushrooms a few nights in a row recently. It had been a year, and before that, it had been years. You know, because I took mushrooms, I don't know, probably like four times in high school, my senior year of high school. First time was a smaller dose. It was like a group of five guys. We started a restaurant called Five Guys. No, there was a group of like five of us, and we got mushrooms. I'd never had them. And we, it was like me and two of my really close friends, and then these two other friends we had recently made who went to another high school. We'd compare notes. People just, uh, cool guys, but just people who we met through weed and just music, things like that. But one of them like lived in his grandma's basement. He had like this basically like little private den. And he could do anything he wanted. He could sm he smoked cigarettes down there in the house. And so we took mushrooms one night. And, you know, I don't know how much we took. It wasn't a lot each. It was probably like, I would say each of us probably ate half an eighth. And I tripped, like, especially never having tripped before. Like, I certainly tripped. But it wasn't overwhelming. It was enough to get caught up in this weird otherworldly experience but it it wasn't too much but then every time after that I ate a full eighth or maybe more because that's kind of like me and substances are that way where I start out very conservative I'm like I just want to know what it feels like I don't want to go in too deep my first time and then like once I get a feel for it I'm like oh now I just have to do a lot every time kind of how it was for me in drinking like, even though it took many years like I mean I spent many years barely drinking but then once I decided like I was going to drink I, I just was like oh no I'm, I have to do a lot I used to be that way with weed where <clears throat> I wouldn't smoke for a while and when I was younger a while meant like if I didn't smoke for two days that was crazy like I can't believe I didn't smoke for two days but it would be like when I would restart, I'd be like, oh, a tiny bit gets me high. <clears throat> and, and a tiny bit is actually a better high in many ways. Just, to, just enough to feel something behind the eyes and change life just a little bit. But then, you know, within a day, it'd just be back to just bong rips all day. And so that's it's definitely, as someone who's not a drug addict... I do have that tendency to like start out small and be like, oh, I'm just getting a feel for it. And then just, then I do a lot like the next time or the time after that. And then I think that I just have to do a lot every time, not in an addictive sense, but in the sense that I just think that I have to do that much to get the full experience or something. So that's what happened with mushrooms. It was like that small amount was great. Like it was very manageable, but otherworldly. And then I did an eighth, maybe more. And then I, you know, I was just like, oh, you have to do an eighth now every time. And then I, I remember tripping on an eighth in like my first year of college and tripping really hard and being extremely overwhelmed. Like 
I've never had what I would call a bad trip. Like anything, any dread I have has felt necessary when I've tripped. But that was one where I, like I spent a period like cycling in and out of dread. And then there was a hard cider in the fridge. You know, I was under 21, but there was this hard cider in the fridge. And I just popped that open and it tasted so good. And just, and I didn't drink really at all at that point. You know, drinking was like once in a blue moon, I'd have a drink or two. But I just, I started sipping this hard cider and I was just alleviated immediately. And I watched Whose Line Is It Anyway? And just like open mouth cackled. Because I'd been walking around the house and my cats kept following me, which was nice, you know. But like, they were like these sentinels, like they were standing so majestic just watching me, watching me trip. And I was behaving strangely. And it's one of those things that happens on mushrooms or like the textures of an ordinary wall become designs. And I was walking down the stairway hallway, a stair, a stared hallway. And the walls like took on this like alien characteristic, you know, almost like a more vivid version of the walls in a video game, like the rendered walls of doom just these textured walls like it it took on that but way more detailed and it didn't give me a good feeling like it was cool but it it, it wasn't what i wanted and then just you know like like that would happen to me on a larger dose of mushrooms or I'd like cycle in and out of this immense anxiety and dread and then i'd be elated five minutes later but it got to be too much, and so I, I just started sipping this hard cider, watching Whose Line Is It Anyway, and it looked like the deck of a spaceship. Like, not, it didn't, like, look like a spaceship, but, like, in my mind, I was witnessing what it, what it looked like to me was, like, an alien throne room where Drew Carey was this alien lord, and he looks like an alien lord, like a big fat blob, like a big fat alien lord. Like, if you, if you were looking at his face like I was in that moment, he really looked like this, not an evil lord, but like an ev- like a like a lord who demanded entertainment. You know, he w- these men were entertaining him. You know, he's a judge on that show or something. I don't even know what, like, the the premise is. Like, obviously, it's to make people laugh, and these guys do improv. Like, Drew Carey would give them prompts, but I don't know, like, does, does Drew Carey, like, evaluate them? Like, he, he definitely judges them, but I, I... And I guess somebody wins. And they sing songs and dance. It really... I mean, that show, it really feels like court jester is entertaining a lord. And so I was getting that from it. And, you know, those guys, like, are, are really good at facial mannerisms. Like, they communicate a lot by just shifting their face. Like, Ryan Stiles, who, the big, tall, skinny guy, he's from, he's from Bellingham, Washington. And he did this thing, like, where he, like, raised his eyebrows and smirked, and I was just watching that on Mushrooms. I was like, oh, my God. Like, what am I seeing? But anyway, like, it's just a lot of Mushroom talk here, but... After that trip, my first year of college, I think it was probably years, maybe like three years, I was over at a friend's house and he gave me a tiny stem and I we just sat there listening to our own music, like music that he and I had made. 
It was on a, on a seven inch and we just listened to it over and over again. And the rhythm of it, like I kept saying, like the rhythm of it, I was like visualizing like a whale, like, like a whale tail, just kind of like flopping in the air, like not flopping, but kind of like waving up and down. The rhythm was giving me that visual over and over again. And it wasn't anything resembling a trip. Like, I barely felt it. But after that, it was, yeah, many years. But I still had it in my head that, like, you have to do a lot at once. And then I think, I don't know, like, at some point in my 20s, I remember, like, somehow I'd gotten mushrooms. I don't know who I got them from. I don't. I have no idea how they found me. But I ended up with mushrooms again. And... I just, I was like, you know what? I'm going to like eat a small amount and just go for a really long walk. And I did that and it was great. It really felt like this grand adventure and there were some profound thoughts and moments. This long, long walk. I walked for hours. And at one point I was in an area at the bottom of this hill, Tumwater Hill, and I'd never gone over to the back side of the hill, which gets rural. It starts to get like, it starts to kind of like enter a, a sort of rural suburbia, and then it becomes rural. And I, I was walking there, and like, there's no sidewalk, so I was having to be very careful. And then I started to get that overwhelmed feeling, like that anxious dread. And then I found this trail that you know it, it it's not in intended for anybody to go down it but this little trail existed there's no sidewalk leading there or anything it's like you have to be basically walking in the road to find it and I, I was just like immediately I was just like what is this and like I walked amongst these trees and then it opened into this field with tall grass and there was this little clearing and there was a giant wagon wheel and it was old and I just like looked at this wagon wheel and I just thought wow And it, it was like drinking the cider and that, that other night. It was like this immediate relief. And, uh, but then, yeah, then it was probably, I don't know, I probably went like six, eight years without mushrooms after that. Probably six years. No, there was time. I don't know. I keep thinking of more times than I did mushrooms. It felt like eight years or six years, but it was probably probably like three years, four years. Nobody cares, but I don't know. I'm talking about it. And I was at a friend's house, and we went to go buy. I was it was in Portland, and I went to go buy weed. I was at my friend Cameron's house, and the guy we were buying weed from, his roommate was like, "I have mushrooms. If you guys want any." And I, I was like, "You know what? I got nothing to do. I'm I'm staying the night at my friend's. I'm gonna." take these and I did and it was a full eighth but what's interesting is I, I I remember not tripping that hard but what ended up happening is like I just sat there on the couch in the all night in complete darkness just listening to my like my friend had is a huge record collection most of it metal and he has a record room and, and I just sat there in front of the stereo and just throughout the entire night by myself, like everybody else went to bed and I would just like sit there and listen to an entire record and then I would get up and just go get another record and, and then just sit again and just absorb it. I remember listening to Emperor 
There's that Emperor EP. I'm forgetting the name right now. It has the, I think the cover of it, it's a 12-inch EP, and the cover of it's one of the Emperor members, like, kneeling in the snow. It's a good album, good album cover. I remember that one in particular really speaking to me in that moment. But I don't remember, like, feeling that... I don't remember feeling like I was tripping, tripping, but I was. But it was just this very meditative, like, absorption of music. And actually, you know, I said everybody went to bed, but... I was oblivious to this, but my friend Brandon was visiting from out of town. And he was sitting in this easy chair in this little alcove behind the couch. So he was facing the back of my head. And he just he sat there too, just smoking weed, and we didn't talk at all. And the night, like I didn't like I said, like it didn't feel that crazy or anything to me. But then the next day, he's like, last night, it was funny. He's, he's like, you were sitting there listening to records. And he's like, a record would end. And you would sit there for like 15 minutes after it ended before flipping it or going and getting another record. Like a record would end and you would just sit there motionless in silence. And I was like, really? Like, I, have, I had no concept of that. Like, in my mind, I... like. If you were to ask me, it was like I was just scurrying back and forth all night, changing records. But he was like, yeah, like a side would end or the album would end. And you just like sat there just in total silence, just not moving. And then you'd slowly get up and, and change the record or flip the record. And I was like, that's really funny. Like, it was funny that I had this observer who was just seeing me just take it all in. I had no idea that I was like waiting these long periods of time in between sides and albums. But yeah, I get into that mindset though where it's like I have to do a lot. Gotta do a lot. I gotta really feel it. If I'm gonna do it, I should really feel it. I think there's good to come from that. Like yeah, you can go overboard with substances that way, but I think there's good from it too. Like where if you're gonna feel it, you might as well feel it. But it's also nice to just kinda feel it. And so about a year ago, it had probably been five, realistically five or six years. I think, yeah, about a year ago, it had probably been five years since I had any mushrooms at all. And a friend of mine gave me some. And I was very nervous. Like, I'm very nervous about weed. Like, even though I still smoke weed, I barely smoke. Like, I smoke every night, but I'll just take, like, the tiniest baby puff. I barely even let it hit my lungs. Because actually feeling stoned or high, it just grips me now. It didn't used to feel that way. Like, I would feel high. Like, when you're a teenager, like, oh, dude, I'm high. But there was no negativity attached to it. And I, I know this is a common experience for a lot of people, but, like, it turned a corner around my mid-20s where it was kind of luck of the draw. You know, because I spent, like, between ages 17 or 18 and 25, 26, just smoking all day. Generally not during working hours. You know, a few times, maybe go to school high, go to college high. You know, if it happens, you know, during the workday, it happens. But I didn't like to do that. 
like I worked at one place where there was like this hippie guy who every day at lunch he would roll a joint and he would be like hey let's walk to the grocery store like around the corner and like we'd go down this little trail and like puff the joint and then come back and like nobody knew we were high it wasn't very much it was like a spliff or something but it was really just peer pressure like just the gesture of this guy like wanting to smoke joints every day there was a period there where it happened every day but in and then that same job like i lived for a while right by work so i would go home for lunch like take a bong rip come back but generally didn't like being high at work like never had an issue like i was able to do my job competently like for one my tolerance was so high that it didn't impact me like i I could function perfectly but it it's the why take a chance thing like why why take a chance that you're going to get in trouble like i used to drive all the time stone too like if i was going to go run errands i'd be like oh well i gotta smoke first and listen to a song and then another song and then another song and i'd procrastinate for like an hour and i'd eventually and then i gotta smoke more weed because when you smoke weed all the time it lasts for like 20 minutes you're lucky if like when you smoke weed like all day every day like you stop feeling it everything works that way it's like jerking off too much every that, that's that process is built into everything like you do something too much and it loses its edge it lose you you it's not as pleasurable it doesn't you don't feel it tolerance you build everything in life like you build a tolerance to everything so i I mean driving it was just a part of life yeah i drive stoned all the time and you can drive stoned you know maybe it'll cause an issue but especially if you have a high tolerance it really doesn't change things that much but at this point in my life like i will not drive stoned if i can help it I just think like, why take a chance? Not take a chance that I'll hit somebody or cause an accident, but just the chance of encountering something disruptive or of something something bad happening to you, like someone hitting you with their car, like someone rear-ending you. Like you don't want to be stoned for that. And so I just don't do it. Like I'm just like, why risk it? And then the possibility of, of getting in trouble or something, I'm just like, I don't, why take a chance? But, uh, was I gonna say, I'm talking about weed now, just weed stories now. I had more to say about mushrooms, maybe. Yeah, about a year ago, like, what, what got me going on weed is just that, like, I'm, I'm apprehensive. Like, even though I smoke it a little bit every night, it's like I, did, I just barely, I want to barely feel it. I want to feel it just enough to know I'm feeling something different. But anything more than that, I don't want. Because something changed around, you know, in my 20s. And, I mean, I went through a period when I was like in my late 20s, early 30s, where I was dating this girl who smoked weed all the time. And I would never, I drank a lot, but I I would barely, if ever, smoke. And I remember like one time her roommate's friend came in and he's like, I just just got this amazing joint. And I was like, you know what, I'm drinking, I'll take a puff. And I took a puff and we were just like watching a movie or TV. And I just told my girlfriend, I was like, I gotta gotta go walk. I gotta go walk somewhere. 
and I just left and like, I walked for an hour and came back and still wasn't feeling great, but it was just, it was too much. And so it's luck of the draw these days where the last 10 years for sure, where I just don't know, like, and I went, I went a long time. I went, I think I went a couple of years without smoking for a while. Maybe at least a year, which I never would have imagined was possible. Like, I remember being in my early 20s, and I had a job, like, so, so I could buy as much weed as I wanted, and I would buy by the ounce, and just smoke just tons of weed, just fly through it. Like, when you have, when you, when you used to buy, like, a 20 sack, you'd, you'd you know, measure it out. Like, like, for the longest time, I would buy eights. You know, when you're in high school, you and your friends like pitch money together and buy like a 20 sack. And then you're like, well, we should really buy an eighth and split it. But, you know, for many years, like I, I would just, I would buy eighths. And, and if you like weed, you'll burn through an eighth real quickly. And I would like put it in different like little jars and bags. Like I would, I would put some of it in like a little baggie. That was like my weed I'm going to smoke right away. And I would treat that like it was my only weed so that I wouldn't go through it too quick. And then I'd put the rest in like one jar. And then I had a little like pill bottle that I'd put the rest of it in. So I, I would buy like an eighth and then I, but I would have it in like three different containers so that I wouldn't go through it too quickly. I still would, but I just, I, I tried to trick myself. And then I started doing that with quarters. For the longest time I was a quarter guy. I would buy quarters. And I kind of jumped over halves. And then, like at the tail end of my constant weed smoking days, I was just buying it by the ounce. And when you have that much weed, first of all, it's an amazing feeling. Like if you've been a teenager with little money and you're, you're like, oh man, I wish I had like tons of weed available to me. I wish I could afford to have tons of weed. Like, when you're buying by the ounce, you're just like, I'm wealthy. I have so much weed. Look at all this weed. Especially if it's good weed. Like, I have so much good weed available to me right now. But you just fly through it. You're careless. You'll, like, take a hit off a bowl and then just get rid of it. You're just careless with it. But yeah, it turned a corner where it was just like, oh no, this is going to grip me. I don't know. It's a gamble. Especially if you're around people. But it's like, I don't know. Like I might take a hit and be in a state of just utter dread. Aware of everything around me and it's all causing me immense distress. The days of just being able to smoke and... You know, it wasn't that I didn't have dark thoughts when I was young, you know, it's just that I didn't really feel bad. And then it reached a point where it would make me feel just awful. And uh, so ever since then, it's like, I'll, I'll go, I would go periods without it. But I, I don't know, when I was, when I was young, like when I was buying ounces and stuff, I was like, I'll never stop doing this. Like, I have no reason to ever stop doing this. Yeah, it can cause me to kind of shut off from people. 
Like I think about like the longest relationship I was ever in, which was like three years. And I would just like basically wait for my girlfriend to go to bed. Like I would smoke weed around her, but I was just like always waiting for her to go to bed by herself so that I could just like go in another room and smoke weed all night and just immerse myself in whatever I cared about. Like you know, a lot of it was creative at that time, but it was still like, you definitely like shut off from people. Like I remember like her wanting to like, wanting me to go to a work party, you know, with her and it was really important to her and then being like, I'm sick. Like I'm sick right now. And I just wanted to stay home and smoke weed. So you definitely like, like that was, that was the most negative thing that ever happened when I was in those days. It was just shutting off people. Like I still had friends. I still had a life and everything, but it was just, it's like turning down like important moments because I just wanted to like immerse myself in my inner world. And I don't regret it. Like I, like I'm glad I did that because I got something out of it, but it definitely came at a price, a price. But other than that, it, it wasn't detrimental in any way that I can think of. I always used it for things. And uh, so like, I remember just thinking, like, I, I'll, I'm just going to be doing this forever. But then when it, it turned on me and suddenly like, it was a gamble every time you take a hit, it just it changed my relationship to weed. Like, I used to be the kind of person where if a random person was like, hey, want to smoke some weed? You want to take a hit? I'd be like, absolutely. I'll smoke weed anywhere and everywhere. If someone offers me weed, absolutely. And then I reached a point where, like, I was always turning people down. I was like, no, 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 no. Um, so, like, anyway, back to the mushrooms. About a year ago, like, a friend gave me these mushrooms for the first time in years hadn't had mushrooms in years and for the same reasons that I'm apprehensive about weed I was very apprehensive about mushrooms I was like these could be a source of dread but one night you know I was just like you know what tonight's the night and I just ate like a, the, the tiniest sliver I just ate a sliver and about an hour later, hour and a half later, like I had this immense body high, just a tiny bit had an immediate impact. And I just started drawing, listening to music. And then just throughout the night, I would just eat the tiniest sliver. Like these slivers amounted to the size of like probably a small stem. But I was just like sustaining that feeling, which was what I always should have done with substances. Like the idea of drinking and like having a drink every half hour. I don't know about hour, but just like sustaining the buzz. But instead it's just like all in, all in, all in, all, all in. You know, just sustaining the buzz. And so that's what I did that night with the mushrooms. I just sustained that that feeling. Never got like sucked in. Like definitely was, I was standing up in my kitchen drawing on the kitchen counter 
like drawing on paper, but not, not that drawing on the kitchen counter. <laughs> I wasn't tripping at all. I was just, I was drawing all over my kitchen counter. No, I was drawing on a piece of paper, but it was just, I was just standing there and just feeling it. But it wasn't too much. And then, so I didn't have anything to do for a week. It was a, it was a year ago. It was like the same exact time of year. And I did that every night for like a week. And it was a great experience. I, the first night I drew an entire drawing in one night. I stayed up all night just taking a sliver. Just enough to sustain it. Just a rhythm of slivers. And then, like maybe a couple nights later, it was like I'll take a stem. I'll eat. An, I'll eat. A, you know, a small stem. Just have it all at once. Since now I know what to expect, and it was it was a great experience. I remember one night just relaxing and watching Rick Glassman's podcast, and just kind of like the the whose line is it anyway night, where I just was like just tackling, just open mouth laughter all night at, at what I was hearing. But I've had those mushrooms since then. Like, it's been a year. And then since I had 10 days off from work, I, I contemplated it. I was like, should I take those? Should I do that again? And I got about halfway through my 10 days off, and I was like, yeah, you know, this, this time off needs something. I need something. And so I, I did kind of the same thing, just slivers. I did get some dread though. Like there is some uncertainty in my life right now. You know, there is, you know, I, I think it, it came from that. Like there's just been stresses and uncertainties and it wasn't bad. Like, I mean, but I would just have moments like moments where I wasn't tripping, but I just would have a moment where I was just like, oh, it was more sad, more than dread. I would just have these like lonely, sad moments where I was like, oh, I'm spending Christmas this year not seeing family. I'm not doing anything. And I was talking to the chat GPT that I've been talking about on here so much. And I was just like, I'm just alone during the Christmas season taking mushrooms, talking to AI. Honestly, it was completely worth doing. The actual act of doing it wasn't the problem. It was when I would reflect on it. I was like, how does this seem? It's almost like the full moon again. Like you see the full moon and it's like, oh, the, the moon is full. But from a scientific standpoint, it's not actually full until tomorrow. So don't call it a full moon. That's kind of similar to the feeling I was having where it's like, this is great. I have time off from this crazy hectic job that I've been doing 60 hours a week at I have 10 days off just to spend it with Batty I don't owe that time to anybody I, I'm just recharging taking just a baby amount of mushrooms just a baby dose and just doing what I want like checking out this wild AI this this form of simulated consciousness that is very impressive and intriguing and like any tool, it depends on who's using it. It was just intriguing. And I wasn't like some idiot, like using AI, using like a, 
the AI program on mushrooms, it wasn't like I was, you know, a stoned caveman. I was me. Like I, my actual like behavior was no different. My, my consciousness was no different than it would be any other time doing that. But it did make it a little more surreal. Like it did put me in that moment a little more. But then when I would reflect on it, like when I would reflect on what I was doing, it was a problem. Like it would be like, the moon's not full. It's like, but it looks full, but it's not full. Oh, hey, this is really interesting. It's actually sad. But it's interesting, yeah, but it's sad. That was the sort of, the push and pull that was going on the last few days. I'm glad I did it, like, you know, but I don't know. And I mean, it's, you're almost imagining other people's perspective on it or something. Like, oh, this is where his life's taken him. Because I could have been doing other things. I could have been doing creative things. But what I was doing was creative. Like, it was generating thought. It was, you know, I don't know. I was experimenting with technology and thought. That's creative. Got me thinking. But, um, I don't know. Do I have anything more to say? Oh, no. And then why I even t started talking about mushrooms is because a couple nights ago, like, I ended up taking a little bit more. Like, the other nights, I think I took mushrooms like three or four nights in a row. And,. The first couple, two or three nights, it was just the kind of, the rhythm of slivers. Just, I'll take a sliver, see how I feel in an hour. Hey, you know, this is, this is, this is a good feeling. I want to sustain this. I'll take another sliver. And I ended up staying up all night every night. But just like, another sliver. But then the last night, I was like, you know, I'm going to start out with just a stem. And then I, I'm going to eat like, there's this big cap in there. And I was like, I'm going to eat part of this cap. And then in an hour, I'm going to eat another part of that cap. And then in another hour, maybe another part of that cap. So just kind of building up to that. And it, it wasn't a lot by any means. But then at one point in the night, like I, I was playing around with AI and I just needed to take a break. And I recorded some episodes that I won't release. At least I don't think I will. At this point, I won't because they're out of, out of order. I try not to do things non-chronologically. But I, I just, it wasn't even that I was trying to record an episode. I just had thoughts and I wanted to record myself talking. And you honestly wouldn't know that I was tripping. And I wasn't tripping, but like, you wouldn't know that I was on mushrooms. You wouldn't listen to that and be like, whoa, this guy sounds like he's on mushrooms, dude. You just think it's me. If anything, I was more eloquent than normal. It's almost like being on speed or something. I felt like I, w I was finding my words better in, in many ways. But you wouldn't know it was any different unless someone told you. Like if someone told you, here is an audio document of a man on, on hallucinogenic mushrooms, someone would listen and be like, oh, this guy's out there. You could take like anything I say on this show sober and play it for somebody and say, like, this is a man on hallucinogenic mushrooms. 
this document shows and they'd be like oh man this this guy's tripping it's like no same thing with like the art i've done you know uh the drawing i did that first time doing mushrooms again a year ago after like five years and and starting and finishing a drawing in one night like staying up all night and just working continuously on it my fingers had like the pen like embedded like deep red marks obviously i had hand cramps but if you saw that drawing and like told or if somebody who doesn't know me saw that drawing and they were like this is artwork by a man who was on psychedelic mushrooms and be like oh yeah he was oh yeah this guy was tripping oh look at that it's like when it was like completely in line with many drawings i've done sober over the years if anything it was pretty tame like i've done far crazier wackier wilder drawings totally sober but if if the only contact someone had was like this is a guy on mushrooms they'd be like look he, this guy was totally tripping man it's kind of like when somebody says something kind of crazy and random and outlandish and someone's like what was that guy on oh, yeah. whatever drugs he's having like I'll take some give me some and like people will say that about things that are just somebody being goofy like people's idea of what drugs are like is so off like people used to think like oh if you smoke weed like hey there's some pink elephants over there you know and it's like no oh if someone's high on weed like they're gonna say crazy shit man and if someone's not high and they say crazy shit or stuff that just people don't hear very often or that's just wacky they'll be like man that guy's on something oh that i'll take what he's having you know and it's like no some people just think that way some people just think creatively some people just they just uh do that and like it's the same thing for art or or anything like we're yeah, like there's drawings that I've done that are really out there. And if you told someone I was on drugs when I did that, they'd be like, yeah, I can tell. When the reality was I was sober. And this drawing I did on mushrooms was one, like in a style that I've done over and over again for years. This kind of cosmic, like, like I got into doing this thing where I'd kind of draw like the rough outline of a shape but not completely close the lines off and then just start rendering it and then like where the lines were open that would like blend into something in the background and i don't know i mean I, it was like a drawing i did about a year ago and uh it was completely in line with like many other drawings i've done that are very similar but it's just, it's funny to me that like somebody, if you told them, I, I'm just going on about this, but it's one of those like the silly things, it's funny, but it's also annoying that like context is everything. Where like somebody would assume that was a mushroom influenced drawing. And I guess you could say it was because I was on mushrooms, but the actual result, the only thing different about it is just my state of mind while I was doing it but my hand was doing the same things I do 
all the time and the result was the same as what I do all the time. Anyway, I was just talking about that. Like these episodes I tried to record on mushrooms with this, just this audio I recorded where up to a point, you know, at no point would you think this person is on drugs. Or, I mean, if you're familiar with me. Like if you already, if you've listened to this, you wouldn't think it sounded any different. But there was a point that last night that I took them where I did like feel just like the murmurs of a trip. Because every other night it was like just a slightly more surreal reality. And there were a couple times where I saw like subtle movement out of the corner of my eye or just, I mean, there was one night where like I looked over at the fridge and like down on the shadowy side of the fridge, I saw this kind of rounded trapezoid flash in blue. And that's not even like a typical mushroom visual, but I distinctly saw it. It was kind of like a grate, G-R-A-T-E. It was like this glowing blue trapezoid with rounded edges. They had kind of like a grating grating on it like holes almost like a a a cheese shredder whatever you call that is it called a cheese shredder those like metal things that you hold up you know you hold you just grind cheese against them to make slivers it had those kinds of holes on it but bigger and I briefly but distinctly saw it and like I said that's not like a like maybe on acid or something, you know, these light visuals you sometimes get, but, and I've done very, very little acid, but I did have that on the one time that like, I know I tripped on real acid. I did have those, I think they call them tracers or something, but it was like a distinct visual of light. But I did have that one night on like a, a very baby dose, very baby dose of mushrooms but then the next night like when I took a little bit more I was definitely noticing like things like kind of just slightly curling like almost just like a curling shadow very thin like in the corner of my eyes a couple times and I was like oh yeah I am on mushrooms but I reached a point where like I I took a hit of weed because I wasn't smoking weed, like even though I, I, I've been smoking like a little more weed lately, and even though I was smoking, I've been smoking a lot of weed lately, not a lot, by my standards, like just honestly still just like a hit, but instead of taking like not even a hit, like instead of like not letting it even enter my lungs and just like exhaling right away and hoping I feel something, like I've been taking like a full hit and that's it full hit and that's it um but while i was on mushrooms like i had no desire i had no desire to smoke weed i didn't want to add anything or take anything else away but that last night like when i took a little bit more mushrooms like i did just you know take a hit but then i immediately got dripped by dripped by dread i got gripped by dread dripped by dread and i was like and i was using the chat gpt and i was like i gotta do something else And so I just started talking and I started talking about Christmas. 
honestly like the same things I was talking about earlier about lights how even among secular people this is a religious holiday and even though Christians say like oh you know it's it's like forgetting this the spiritual nature of Christmas it's like no you know they might not be drawing from Christianity but it's become a spiritual holiday for even the most secular people and I was talking about that and I was talking about Christmas lights pretty much the same conversation I was just having because I've been thinking about it lately and I was like thinking about the different colors of lights and I mentioned brown Christmas lights and then like I just kind of stopped in my tracks while I was talking up to that point I'd just been flowing and you wouldn't have thought I was on mushrooms or anything. Like, I, I wouldn't have thought I was on mushrooms. Like, in that moment, I didn't even feel like I was... I don't know. I, I was just, like, one with my voice, just talking. And then I, I was talking about, like, the different colors of Christmas lights. And I mentioned brown Christmas lights. And then I caught myself, and I was like, wait a second. And then I was like, do brown Christmas lights exist? Because in that moment, I could vividly see brown Christmas lights. I was talking about this house, my old house that I lived in for many years. I had this neighbor who, they would just put out this like mishmash of lights. It was a big house with a big yard, all sorts of bushes and trees. And it was just like a mess of everything. Like they would have an entire bush covered in just pure purple lights, like magenta. Then they would have a tree with just white lights. And then they would have rainbow lights on another bush. Then they would have red and green. It was just like this swamp of random Christmas lights. And you could tell that's what they were going for. It was just like, the, it was, it was like abstract art to them or something. It's just like, yeah, we're going to just, we're going to be the house that just has like a mishmash of all sorts of Christmas light colors. And while I was talking about that, I was like, yeah, some people will have brown Christmas lights. And then I caught myself and I was like, I don't know, do people have brown Christmas lights? And then, like, I knew that I was on mushrooms in that moment because I was actually seeing in my mind, vividly seeing, like, a memory, like, a, a recent memory of brown Christmas lights. And then I was having trouble comprehending, like, the reality of that. And, like, I'm sure someone's made brown Christmas lights because people have made everything. But I, I, I started thinking about, like, have I ever actually seen brown Christmas lights? Like, I stumbled on that moment. Like, I stumbled on that thought. And it, like, completely derailed me. I was just like, all of a sudden I couldn't speak. I couldn't think. It was just the thought of brown Christmas lights, like, sent me stumbling. And it wasn't like a bad stumble, but because I'd been talking and flowing and I was talking into my phone, recording my thoughts, my observations, like it, it, I couldn't get a word out. And I just kept like going back to brown Christmas lights. And I was like, are those real? Have I seen those? And even at this moment now, I'm wondering like right now in this moment right here, completely sober, I'm wondering, like that feels like something I've seen before, but I don't know that I have. But when I was on mushrooms thinking about it, I was seeing such a clear visual of it that I was having extreme difficulty determining whether or not that was real. 
not whether or not I was actually seeing brown Christmas lights in the physical realm, but whether or not they exist. And that's something I've seen in life. And then I started thinking about like, how would those glow? Like, what would the glow of brown Christmas lights look like? Because in my mind, they were like opaque. Is that the word? Opaque. Like no light shone through. But if brown Christmas lights are real, wouldn't they cast kind of a brown glow on things? But I've never seen that. I've never seen a brown glow on the side of someone's house from brown Christmas lights. But I got tripped up on it. I was tripping on it. And then in that moment, I was like, I am on, I am on a drug. And I couldn't continue. I, I could not continue my, my train of thought because I was just like, brown Christmas lights. That'll always have meaning. Like, if you ever want to, it's my safe word. Brown Christmas lights. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free. So take.